electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast, Wall Street heading into the weekend wondering what the biggest bank failure since the financial crisis will mean for the markets in the days and weeks to come. We're going to head out west to find out the latest on the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and how it's impacting customers, VCs, and more. Plus, a not-so-obvious ripple effect of the SVB bank failure, biotech, taking it on the chin today. And all this week, in fact, we're going to explain why the Silicon Valley Bank is so intertwined with the sector. And later, the housing trade has held up pretty well so far this year. But as the Fed signals more hikes and credit gets tighter, could this be a spring of pain for sellers and the sector? I'm Sarah Eisen, in for Melissa Lee tonight. This is Fast Money. We are live from the NASDAQ market site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grasso. Welcome to all of you. We're going to start with the latest developments on Silicon Valley Bank. Federal regulators shutting down the tech-focused lender today and taking control of its deposits as the company failed to raise capital and shore up its balance sheet. SVB's stock was halted before the market opened today. After falling another 60-plus percent in the pre-market, that, of course, on top of yesterday's 62 percent drop. A month ago, this was an $18 billion stock. Now it may be worth nothing. Let's get more on what's next for the bank and the industry. Danny Fortson joins us, West Coast correspondent for The Sunday Times. And, Danny, you're going to have a busy weekend following... What comes next? The fallout for startups and, of course, what happens to SBB? Tell, tell us what you're looking into at this point. Well, it's going to be a very big weekend, right? Because as you uh, have seen in the market, companies like First Republic, some of these other regional banks, they've all seen their stocks crash as well. Because, of course, the fear is that this is the sign of something bigger, that there is contagion. So what is happening right now, I think, are going to be round-the-clock talks all weekend so that on Monday morning they can come out and say, this company has been bought by a white knight and everybody's deposits will be covered on a one-to-one basis. And that is very important so that they can set a clear signal that this is not the sign of something much deeper uh, and much bigger here. Yeah, I mean, that would be very positive if they, were, if they could find that, if the FDIC could find a buyer. Give us a little perspective on Silicon Valley Bank, 16th largest bank in the country. The size has quadrupled in the last five years. Talk a little bit about the influence out there and the size and the scope here. Yeah, so it is a it's a unique bank, right? It's it's a niche bank, but it's a very important niche. So they market themselves as having at least half of all startups are as their clients. But what that means is that they are very exposed. And, you know, what we've seen in the startup world and the tech world in the last five years, especially with zero interest rates, there's just been floods of money coming in from venture capital, creating all of these new companies. They've all got onto the books of Silicon Valley Bank. And now, of course, everything's gone into reverse. They started to pull their money out. Uh, interest rates have gone up. The bonds have bond rates have gone down. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a real crunch. Hey Danny, what, what hey, do you Danny, think? It's, uh, what do you think is the most dislocated stock action you saw today, on the back of SVB? Was it First Republic? Was it Charles Schwab? 
or do you think that this has the ability to cascade further and the story grow from here? I think it's I think the hope, obviously, is that it stops here. Right. Because this is it's a unique bank and also that, you know, it, it doesn't have many individual customers. These are startups. And so then they're all controlled by uh, basically a handful of venture capital funds, all of whom said all at once, pull your money out before it's too late. And what it really shows is the herd mentality out here. Once a few venture capital firms tell all their portfolio companies get out, everybody starts doing it. And they only have they have less than 40,000 commercial clients. So it doesn't take much, doesn't take that many big accounts for to really start a run. Jeff? Hey, Danny, Jeff Mills. Um, just a quick question about potential bank regulation. I know it might be a little bit early here, but are there any rumblings around what the implications could be relative to additional regulations coming down the pike once all this is, is handled? Uh, I think it's a little early for that. But again, I think that's why this weekend is going to be so important, because if they can say, look, this was a liquidity crunch, it was uh, a you know, cash crunch, we have figured it out. We put this into receivership and accounts are going to be covered on a one to one basis. Then I think that will be kind of a, you know, a job done. Uh, people can, uh, you know, breathe a sigh of relief. But that's why this weekend is critical as a message to the market and, of course, to the wider banking sector. Danny, we appreciate it. Keep us posted on your reporting. We'll, we'll follow it all weekend long. Good to talk to you today. Tim. There are a lot of ripple effects to talk about, whether it's in the banking sector. How about the startups? They funded half of American startups. And now the and now some of these uninsured depositors are waiting to find out whether they're going to even get the cash so they can pay their employees. Look, there was an argument that the VC world was sidelined even before this news, at least. And they're working off of a capital and money that was in the coffers to 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 you know from from last year. As you said, they are the banking partners to 50% or more of the firms that listed. And again, we're talking tech and healthcare. You know, you say, what are the collateral effects? We're going to talk a little bit later about biotech. Um, you know, to me, this is there are different places where uh, I think you have enormous exposure to this. Uh, when you look at the overall risk to the market, you know, this is where people are here. We we hadn't been weighing tail risk. Everybody knows that this is the second largest uh, banking failure. You know, since the crisis, everybody knows that this is this is the largest banking failure since the crisis. Excuse me. Since Washington um, Mutual, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and that everybody knows where we are in the stock market, which this week went through the 50, the 100, the 200-day, and that you've got dynamics here where people are evaluating dynamics for the market that we've been talking about. So that's the ripple effect. I, I think going into a weekend doesn't surprise me what stocks did on a Friday because, as we just talked about and Danny talked about, this weekend's got a lot of news. So, Steve, does it, make, does it change your mind on anything? Because, you know, one thing we've heard from all the bank analysts is this is idiosyncratic. It had a unique business model tied to startups. It doesn't necessarily re reflect the fundamentals of the banking system. Yeah, I mean, it makes you want to. That's why I asked that question to Danny. It made me want to step in and buy First Republic for a day trade. You should have bought it when it's down 50 percent. I know. I think my crystal ball was a little foggy. So you don't you don't know how long this is going to last. You don't know how it's going to cascade. You don't know what the stories are going to be on Monday. Who's going to get pulled into this? What the next ongoing risk is going to be? But the trader in me wanted to take a flyer and make sure it's only six and a half hour flyer. I don't, I don't want to stay along these names. Too much exposure to the downside. Courtney, what about you? Yeah, I really don't necessarily see this as something that we need to be concerned about of the overall banking system. I think it's really pre too preemptive for that. They're primarily lending to VC companies, right? And your larger banks are much better diversified than that. 
I think what's interesting is when you look at the bond market right now, you look at the credit spreads that did not expand extremely today, which is interesting because that means that people are not, they're not putting a ton of extra risk in like a corporate bond and a treasury bond, even with an issue in the banking sector right now. Doesn't seem quite systemic. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. What about for regional banks though? Because yes, the big banks are well capitalized. We know that. JP Morgan was up on the day. JP Morgan was up on the day. It went up early. Yep. And receive funds though? and receive funds from from this bank. Right, so they're taking Morgan, market share, right? right and so, so, so did First Republic. But, but what about regional banks? Because well, that, that's a pain spot, and and a lot of them are in this pain, right? They're funding their but, long-term treasury the, holdings with these depositor deposits that are leaving. No doubt, but they have a different funding base, and we just all have said this. I mean, if you think about the people that have been funding SVB, it, it's a very different. And uh, we talked about this last night with Gerard Cassidy. I mean, you've got uh, you know Main Street, more or less, I, I think, and community trust banks. They're going to argue that this is actually their strength, that they're funded in a very different way. You're talking about both funding liabilities and also the pressure that's going to be on net interest margins when, in fact, people can go to treasuries in six months. We know what you can earn on that, what the banks are going to have to pay for these deposits. It's certainly going to hit them on some level. The other side of this that could hurt a lot of banks is one of the events that I think was brought this this cascade out for SVB, which is a mark-to-market on a securities portfolio that if you're levered and you have an outflow and you have to meet liquidity, they're no different than anybody with a margin call. They had to sell at a loss in a world where um, there's been a lot of pressure. They clearly were over-levered. And this was a risk management issue. Everyone's blamed this on the Fed. And I think that's kind of absurd. I mean, I don't defend the Fed right typically. But I will say that uh, although the Fed has moved quickly here, um, this is not the Fed. This is this is a bank they that... They weren't this, diversified. This was... This was a bank that was in I in, guess the question is, is are, there, are these other banks also, you know, are we going to see who? Well, you, First Republic came out. First Republic came out and said the average uh, account size is lower than two hundred thousand. The business is lower than five hundred thousand. Any sector is not greater than nine percent of their total deposits within their business sec- uh, sector within their business deposits. So they're already separating themselves from what we're dealing with on the news flow today. And as far as the major banks, Courtney said it. Mike Mayo was on this morning on, on, a, on a competitor. Liquidity up 50% from, because everyone wants to compare this to the financial crisis. Liquidity is, is 50% better than it was. Capitalization is 50 to 100% better than it was. And to Tim's point, leverage in the, in, the, in the bigger banks, in the bigger banks, is nowhere near what it was. And subprime is not even a blip on the screen. Uh, the all things to be grateful for. Right. Although one thing did remind me of crisis times, which is when the Treasury put out a statement from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today saying, Everything's fine. Nothing to worry about. Convened, a, <laughs> convened a meeting with all the regulators. There's faith in the system and that the regulators can take care of it. Jeff, want to hear from you. Any changes in the outlook to financials, big or small, as a result? Uh, no, not particularly. I mean, I, I agree with what everybody else is saying. And I don't want to keep leaning into First Republic. And full disclosure, it is a name that, unfortunately, we do own. But I have a contact at a startup who actually has accounts Uh, at Silicon Valley Bank. And one of the things that they said was, as soon as they get their money out, that's exactly where they're going. They're going to move that money to First Republic. So I think a a lot of these companies with maybe relationships with those banks out in California, uh, it could be ultimately a windfall for them, even though the stocks have gotten hammered. I mean, that's pure speculation, but I think there is a potential for some opportunity in some of these names that might not have direct exposure uh, and could stand to benefit from, from money moving in their direction.
Yeah, it is San Francisco based as well. Meantime, markets sinking to end the week on top of all of this, even as a slowdown in hiring bolstered hopes for a less aggressive rate hike at the Fed's next meeting. The economy did manage to add 311,000 jobs in February. That was more than expected, but less than half a million added in January. The news sending Treasury yields falling. The 10-year seeing its biggest uh, basis point drop since November. The two-year posting its biggest two-year fall since the 2008 financial crisis. Remember, the two-year yield had shot up earlier in the week. Still, the trouble in the banking sector worsened this week's sell-off. The Dow putting in its worst week since June. S&P got within seven points of going negative for the year. Courtney, are the broad markets overreacting? I think the markets today are reacting much more to what's happening in the banking sector, which, again, I think we've all talked about. It's probably more of this knee-jerk reaction you're seeing than anything else. But I think the jobs report actually had some good data in there, especially the fact that um, wage growth is not increasing as much as we want. And so it is leading to this idea that maybe there will be a 25 rather than a 50 basis point height next month, which ultimately should be a good thing as we look forward. So we just need to get through some of these shorter-term headlines that are happening right today. Agree. The wages gave Powell cover to not go 50 oh, yeah. uh, in March. When we come back, is the the housing market, the next sector the market needs to worry about. Our Diana Olick here to take us through the numbers. And later, more on the SVB failure, how the biotech sector is getting hit hard by the bank's collapse. Stick around. Much more Fast Money in two minutes. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Today's sell-off dragging rates lower, though the 30-year fixed mortgage rate is still hovering near 7%. And now home inventories are surging in certain markets as a lack of affordability curbs demand. Diana Olek here with the latest details. Diana. Yes, Ari, the mortgage rate is right, right below 7%, but still bouncing up and down again. And new inventory and pricing data is showing why we're seeing a uniquely volatile market. After dropping sharply in January, the monthly payment required to purchase the average home jumped by nearly $100 by the end of February. At current income levels, it now takes just over 33% of the median income to make those payments 
24% is the 30-year average, and that's according to Black Knight. Now, that's nationally, but some of the least affordable markets are now Las Vegas, Nashville, Seattle, Miami, and Los Angeles. We actually went to an open house in Las Vegas last weekend. Just two sets of buyers came in three hours. The agent said inventory there is rising fast. Especially here in Las Vegas, a lot of people moved from California thinking this could be where they were going to live in their uh, no state income tax haven and then got the call from work after COVID saying, nope, we got to come back home. In fact, inventory in Las Vegas is now up 200 percent from a year ago and prices dropped in January, but then rose into the first week of March, according to Parcel. Why? Well, those are closings. So contracts signed in January when mortgage rates hit 6 percent. Along with Vegas, Parcel is also seeing homes go for well below list price now in Phoenix, Tampa and Charlotte, all of which were some of the hottest markets in the first part of the pandemic. Now, Sarah, not so much. All right, Diana, thank you very much. Diana Olek. Let's trade that. Tim, look, mortgage rates, we, th we thought that they had seen the top and then they climbed up again. Now with this banking trouble, they're going back down. What well, do do? They're, they're, they're linear and they're connected on the way up. Uh, on the way down, look, there's also credit dynamics and lending dynamics that suffer in the back of what's going on. Banks are, are not giving more money away now on the count of what's happened over the last couple of days. There's no question about it. So I think standards will tighten up. I, I think if you consider it's great that the Fed funds, I think, went from 469 down to 428 basically in one day. Um, that does not necessarily mean the mortgage market changed. More importantly, the affordability dynamics that Diana just talked about are the ones we're talking about. And and, and, and frankly, you could see that in the XHB. So the Home Builders ETF today down two and a quarter percent on a day when you saw rates plummet. We know, and it's it's on some level, it's nice when the market has a rational reaction to the news that bad news was not good news for housing. And, and I think all that's what's going on. And again, the wealth effect across, okay, Silicon Valley is not USA, it's not Main Street, but uh, I think some of these dynamics are slowly playing out. And, and I don't see why you want to own uh, the, the builders, even on any weakness here. Anybody disagree with that? Everyone's been trying to find the bottom in the builders and on rates. Yeah, the, the problem, though, is, to Tim's point on, on, on affordability, who is going to be putting their house up for sale if you have a 3.5% mortgage or a 4% mortgage and you have to flip it out? You have to have owned that home for a long period of time to get some equity in it to be, make it worthwhile for you to turn around, buy something else for a 7% mortgage. Who's going to do that? But doesn't that make it more attractive for a home builder, right? Because there aren't existing homes being sold. What's happening is there's millennials out there and there's basically had 5 million more households created in the last decade than homes built. And so now people are looking to buy homes and the existing homes aren't there anymore. Are there enough though? Are there enough people that are going out? Because what's really moving the market are people who are buying homes for cash now. That, that, to me, is a very, very small population that could buy a home. Well, and some other part of just input costs, uh, labor markets haven't really softened up in terms of those input costs. Copper prices are almost near 10 to 20-year highs. Lumber prices are down. But, you know, the inflationary and the stickiness part of the PPI cycle uh, is, if anything, has been you know, resurging a little bit. So there's not a whole lot of relief on the gross margin side. Uh, again, is this a, a market where you want to be paying, uh, I think, at least on a relative basis, a, a, a Above to where they trade to the S&P, I don't think so. I feel like the housing trade has been all about mortgage rates for the last year and a half or so. And, and now today is the kind of day where you rethink the whole soft landing and what's going to happen to the economy, right? And, and whether the hard landing comes more into focus. Already the market was there talking, watching the yield curve this week. 
It is. And I, I do think that these are all valid concerns. I do think you're having this standstill in the housing market. But I actually I continue to remain optimistic. I think a lot of these issues we've been talking about, we have been talking about over the last year, but the home builders have actually done very well. And I just think this supply demand issue, I mean, there has been so many less houses built over the last mm -hmm. decade because of the housing crisis that happened last time. That's just not going to get resolved. And I think the home builders are going to continue to have somewhat of a floor under where they are. All right, guys, we've got a new development in the SVB saga. One streaming company taking a big leg lower in the after hours. We'll tell you why when Fast Money comes right back. We have a market flash on Roku. Shares dropping in the after hours. Bertha Coombs following it. Bertha. Sarah, Roku has uh, filed an SEC filing saying that it has funds at SVV Bank. As of March 10th, they amounted to $487 million, which, of course, largely uninsured. That represents about 26 percent of the company's cash. They say but they have $1.4 billion in cash-to-cash equivalents distributed across multiple large institutions. They say their deposits with FBB are uninsured. And at this time, the company does not know to what extent they'll be able to recover that cash on de deposit at SVB. Notwithstanding, though, they say they believe that they have existing liquidity, balance and cash flow from operations will be sufficient to meet working capital, capital expenditures and material cash requirements at the moment. Nonetheless, you can see their shares mm -hmm. taking a big leg down, Sarah. Yeah, they were down 5% a moment ago, now down about four. Bertha, thank you. By the way, just getting headlines as well that SVB is being removed from the S&P 500. Not surprisingly, medtech company Insolet, ticker PODD, is going to be replacing it. Jeff, Roku, is this, a, is this a risk factor we should be paying attention to? We're about to find out, I think, a lot of these companies and who's exposed. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately they end up getting the money back. The question is, how long does it take and what is their liquidity position? I mean, it seems to be OK, but this is a stock that we've talked about a number of times. You know, fairly high valuation. Growth is slowing. I just pulled up the chart here. I mean, it rallied hard up to that downward sloping 200 day moving average failed. So it's a not, it's not a stock I wanted to own even before this. I think this just puts more hair on it. So I, I'd be staying away. Yeah, down three and a half percent. Biotech also getting hit in all this. According to Stat News, 12 percent of the company's deposits coming from life science and healthcare companies. That's from SVB. The biotech SB, uh, ETF down nearly four percent today and over seven percent since just yesterday. So how deep will the ripple effects in this sector be? Well, th I mean, think about really who's funding biotech. And we're not talking about Gilead and, and, and Amgen. And I mean, we're talking about um, small startup VC. And this is absolutely in the same train as high multiple tech and Internet and, and whatnot. So um, if you look at the XBI, it's down 18 percent off recent highs. It's actually been having a, a decent rally back. Some of this is that a lot of these high multiple names have had a great run. But if you think about a world where funding just is not there for companies that, that really uh, money at one point was free, we all know that 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 story has changed dramatically, but the story has now changed again. And, and I, I don't look. But to Jeff's point, if you're a public company and you'll probably get paid back, it just might be a matter of time. If you're a startup, though, a smaller company that relies on the funding and, and you don't have it for, to meet payroll or to for whatever your cost needs are then you've got a problem. But but a, a lot of those companies in the XBI different to me yeah. than the IBB don't make money. I mean, again, spec um, healthcare, even public companies, I mean, they're there to burn cash and go out and find the next great thing, and a lot of them don't make money. All right, it is time for the final trade. Let's go around the wow, horn. Time flies when you're having fun, Jeff. <laughs>
Jeff? Yeah, so obviously a lot of damage here. Uh, you know, Macy's is one of those casualties. It's down back below support. I think there's quite a bit more downside. Steve? Market told you J.P. Morgan was okay with the terrible headlines today. J.P. Morgan. Courtney? Actually, going to go against consensus here. I do like the home builders. Dr. Horton gets your first-time home buyers. I think it's one to look at. Nice, yeah. I like that. First of all, thank you for joining us hey, on a Friday pleasure. afternoon. Yeah, I know you're working hard one. all day. Um, Coca-Cola makes money, and free cash flow, and companies that are generating free cash flow, and in this case, a company that's actually been growing its payouts. I, I think of the names you're, you're finding in this environment. You always pick ones that I cover. Well, me. that's it's so nice especially when you're here. That does it for us on Fast Money. Don't go anywhere because we are going to have options action coming up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.